In 2015, Kyle Thomas Rugg was a 20-year-old young man living in Katy, Texas. He had plans to start going to welding school soon and had recently started living with a friend, Mike, in his apartment. Kyle was very close to his siblings and cousins and his whole extended family loved him, saying he was soft-spoken and great with the younger kids in the family. A recent breakup had disrupted Kyle's life temporarily, but he was moving on. On March 3rd, 2015, Kyle and Mike attended a party at a nearby Motel 6. The next day, March 4th, 2015, Kyle and Mike had plans to go to Lake Livingston for a fishing trip. Mike would drive to the lake alone and meet up with Kyle there along with two other friends of Kyle's. Kyle would later leave Lake Livingston with his two friends, telling Mike they were heading back to the apartment. When Mike arrived at the apartment, Kyle's car was not there. Kyle Rugg would never be seen or heard from again. Where is Kyle Thomas Rugg? And welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. Our weekly show works to showcase unsolved missing persons cases across the U.S. and Canada. On any given day, there are more than 17,000 active missing persons cases just in the U.S. alone. In a year's time, there will be over 600,000 missing persons reports taken. And sure, some of them are solved right away, the lucky ones, but many are not. And those are the cases we are talking about here, with a goal to focus on those lesser known cases. If you have any case suggestions for us, please email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We need those cases from your neck of the woods. We also have a quick case update. I encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as we always share updates over there as we get them. So earlier this year, a listener suggested the cold case of Judith Chartier to us. And when I looked into the case, it was pretty baffling with a lot of unanswered questions. Well, earlier this month, Investigators and dive teams discovered Judy's car in a nearby river close to where she was last known to be. The next day, they confirmed that Judith was also found inside the car. It is believed that Judith and the car had been underwater for nearly 40 years. We will be putting up a bonus podcast episode soon with some more details, so stay tuned. If you aren't subscribed or following us, please do so and you will be alerted when that show goes up. Before we dive into the story today of Kyle Rugg, I want to give a big thank you to this week's sponsor, 
Deep Sentinel Security. Hosting a missing person podcast and learning about these different cases daily, many of which involve a crime, makes me all the more aware of the importance of security and just how important having a system in place is. When I first heard about Deep Sentinel, I was curious, a home security system that talks to potential intruders. And I am 100% completely amazed at how far they have brought home security in our society today. Imagine walking in front of a security camera and suddenly it comes to life, asking you what you're doing on the property. And how many people would be scared off by someone talking to them, even just saying hello to them and being on camera at the same time? We all know crime happens, but wouldn't you rather stop the crime before it was even committed? Deep Sentinel is the only home security system that delivers the experience of a personal guard on every customer's home. No false alarms and the fastest police response times, period. Deep Sentinel sees and engages, it engages with any suspicious people on your property 24-7 and in real time. Not only is Deep Sentinel preventing break-ins, but with the holidays around the corner, Deep Sentinel can prevent package thefts, car break-ins, and just getting shady people off your property. Statistics show that the holiday season brings a spike in home invasions. People become desperate and you have a home, a car, or a front porch full of gifts. And while we certainly don't want our possessions stolen, it's the scary thought of what someone might do once in our homes. Keep your family safe. Don't get stuck with a traditional home alarm system. They are outdated and riddled with false alarms causing massive issues for police departments. Check out DeepSentinel.com for more information on their top-notch system and use the code VIRTUALGUARDS for 10% off. That's DeepSentinel.com and the promo code VIRTUALGUARDS. Stay safe. Okay, now let's dive into Kyle's story. Kyle Thomas Rugg was born May 27, 1994, to parents Les and Judy Rugg. He grew up in a seemingly happy family in Katy, Texas, with siblings both older and younger than him. Kyle loved animals, especially dogs, and enjoyed being part of the FFA, the Future Farmers of America. He loved motorsports like dirt bikes and race cars, and he loved watching movies, including his favorites, the Fast and Furious series. As a young adult, Kyle was having a hard time settling down into adulthood. He was an avid marijuana smoker, and in February of 2015, his parents asked him to leave the house so his behavior wouldn't influence his younger siblings. It's unclear what other behaviors, if any, they didn't approve of. So Kyle would go stay with his friend, Mike, who also lived in Katy, Texas. Kyle had begun to talk about some future plans, which included possibly going to welding school or working in the construction field. 
and despite the fact that he had to leave his parents' house, he still spoke to his mom regularly, on the phone or texted with her. She said they were never out of communication for more than a couple of days. On the evening of Tuesday, March 3rd, Mike and Kyle attended a party at a local Motel 6. This doesn't bode well for the type of activities he may have been involved in as it was a Tuesday night, but some have said that for some local schools and universities, it was also spring break. The details we have from here on out are a little bit unclear. Allegedly, Kyle and two friends that he had just met at the party made plans to go fishing up to Lake Livingston the next day. Lake Livingston is about 100 miles from Katy and just under a two-hour drive. The plans were that Kyle and his two friends would meet Mike up there and spend the day fishing. Mike said he arrived there, and soon after, Kyle and his two friends showed up. Mike said he didn't know these two guys with Kyle, but he described them as clean-cut Hispanic and thought one was going by the name Josh. They met at one of the parks off of the lake, but there was an entrance fee required to get in. Kyle and his new friends didn't want to pay the fees. And the weather was also starting to turn bad. So they figured they better just cut their trip short and head back to Katie. Kyle and the guys said they were going to head back to Mike's apartment and they would see Mike later on. Yes, I know you probably have a lot of questions about this story and so do I. We will talk about them in a minute. So later on that day, when Mike returned to the apartment, Kyle's car wasn't there. Now, Kyle and his two new friends had drove up to the lake in their car. Kyle had left his car behind at the apartment. So when Mike got home and saw that Kyle's car wasn't there, he just figured the guys had made it home and that Kyle had left to go somewhere else in his own car, his 2003 Silver Hyundai Elantra. Meanwhile, Kyle's mother starts to try to reach her son, but all of her calls are going straight to voicemail, and her text messages are going unanswered. By March 7th, she is completely worried that she hasn't heard from Kyle, and she reaches out to Mike, learning that Kyle hasn't been seen by him either since March 4th. She calls the police and officially reports her son as missing. Immediately, family members start spanning out looking for Kyle. They make missing persons posters and flyers and talk to everyone they know. They work to try to get the attention of local media, but nothing happens, at least not in the beginning. Police do start to investigate, but there isn't much to go on. Kyle, after all, is an adult, and there is no sign of a crime or foul play or anything nefarious going on at all. Rumor has it that they did bring Mike in for questioning, who gave them the story about the Lake Livingston trip and the two Hispanic males that were with Kyle. 
They ask Mike to take a polygraph, but he refuses. And I know immediately that sounds suspicious, and it very well might be. But remember, most attorneys advise against taking polygraphs because of their unreliable nature. So I don't know that that necessarily makes me suspicious. But what does make me wonder are his actions and his story about the trip to the lake. I have questions. Why did they all drive separately and meet up there at the lake? Lake Livingston is over 100 miles away from Katy, Texas. Why would Kyle and these two new friends drive all that way and then not enter the park just because there was a fee? And if they found a free place to fish or somewhere else to go, why didn't Mike go with them to that spot instead? And does that mean that Mike drove the two hours from Katy to Lake Livingston and spent the time fishing alone? Did he make that drive by himself? Was there no one else with him? The fishing trip story is odd to me, and it could be that we are just missing some key details that the police are being tight-lipped on. Police are able to ping his cell phone, and the last place it did ping was near Lake Livingston. Mike said that Kyle's phone often died and he never carried a charger with him, so it likely just went dead and he was unable to charge it while he was up there. Kyle also didn't have a debit or credit card, so there were no banking transactions to follow or to look for that may indicate his whereabouts. So if Kyle did make it back to the apartment and took his car, where did he go? Investigators also tried tracking his easy pass for the turnpike, which would show if he had entered or exited the turnpike at any point, but they found that it hadn't been used at all. So other than that, there was no way to try and trace Kyle's footsteps. His car had no GPS locator on it. Some have questioned if Kyle even ever made it back to the apartment, but that means someone successfully is hiding the car as it hasn't been seen since Kyle vanished either. And no one in Kyle's family or circle of friends believes that he disappeared on his own accord, especially since so much time has now gone by. The Rugg family took Kyle's disappearance hard, especially his siblings. They worked hard to try and get any media attention they could, even though it wasn't as forthcoming as they had hoped. On April 6, 2015, one month after Kyle was reported missing, Texas EquiSearch came in to help. And I know I've mentioned them here before on the podcast because they are one of the more active organizations out there assisting in missing persons searches. But for a little bit more background on Texas EquiSearch, here is an excerpt from their website. Texas EquiSearch mounted search and recovery team started in August of 2000 with the purpose to provide volunteer horse mounted search and recovery for lost and missing persons. The team was started in the North Galveston 
County area because of the high incidence of missing persons in the largely undeveloped area of South Harris and North Galveston counties. With this in mind, the team's existence and purpose is dedicated to the memory of Laura Miller, the daughter of founding director Tim Miller. Laura was abducted and murdered in North Galveston County in 1984. Our team is composed of volunteers of various experiences, with many being experienced horse owners. We currently have approximately 1,000 plus members and are growing rapidly. We are currently available to conduct searches nation and worldwide. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which is funded solely by donations. They do a lot of different types of searches now for missing persons, and they will travel to other states. There are also other regional chapters located across the country as well. So when Kyle Rugg is missing so close to home for them, EquiSearch comes in and leads up a search on April 6th, focusing on the area of Tigerville Park near Lake Livingston. They put out a call for volunteers and meet up at 8 a.m. Spending the entire day searching, sadly, nothing would be found. Kyle's family had been very active on social media, and then suddenly things went a little quiet. Those that knew about the case wondered why, until one family member came forward and said police had advised them to stop promoting the case so much and to start focusing on raising reward money. So that's exactly what they did. And they raised $20,000 as a reward for anyone with information to lead them to Kyle. So the question is, did Kyle vanish from the Lake Livingston area or the Katy area? Knowing that his phone last pinged around the lake, I'd say that's a good place to start. Except I still wonder about the car. Looking at the Lake Livingston area, it can be a little overwhelming as far as searching can go. The place is huge. Lake Livingston is the second largest lake in the state of Texas. Its surface area is over 83,000 acres. The dam, constructed to keep the lake level stable, is two and a half miles long. That is a huge body of water. And its surrounding area is very wooded and park-like as well. The lake itself is located within the East Texas Piney Woods and directly next to the Sam Houston National Forest. And if you only know that somebody was last seen in that general area, that's a huge place to search. Texas EquiSearch kept their focus near Tigerville Park, which leads many to believe that this is most likely the place Kyle was last known to be, or a specific location for the ping of his cell phone. Texas EquiSearch is known to work with law enforcement as much as they can, and they do need verified info to call out volunteers and put together searches. Next to Lake Livingston is also the Sam Houston National Forest, and the forest consists of woods and grasslands and is over 163,000 acres. There are campgrounds and trails scattered throughout the park, so saying it's huge is an understatement. So where do you even begin to look? 
What happened out there near Lake Livingston with Kyle Rugg on March 4th, 2015? There's also the fact that missing persons databases have him listed as missing from Katy, Texas. And that was where he resided. Since Katy is almost two hours from Lake Livingston, this is another hurdle law enforcement must cross. Do they think there is a possibility something happened to him near his home in Katy? Katy is a city that is considered a suburb of Houston. You could be in Houston in about 30 minutes by heading straight east. Katy is considered a developed urban area, which makes me wonder, were there any cameras at the apartment building that Kyle was staying at? If so, wouldn't we be able to check and see who and when Kyle's car was driven away? And if not, maybe some nearby businesses had cameras. There were three days between when Kyle was last seen and his car was last seen at the apartment and when his mom reported him missing. I know a lot of places only keep their CCTV footage for so long, some only 24 hours. But it really makes me wonder, do we really have no surveillance footage? Since Kyle's disappearance, many have compared his case to some others in the area. It does seem, in my experience in researching these cases, that this region of Texas has a higher than average number of missing persons. The first name that comes up in connection with Kyle's case, oftentimes, is that of Jacob Wallace. Jacob vanished from Houston, Texas in January of 2014, just over one year before Kyle Rugg. But I think what people find similar to Kyle here is Jacob's appearance. He does resemble Kyle. He was blue-eyed, had blonde hair, and he had a fondness for tattoos. Jacob, however, had an extensive criminal history, mostly involving drugs, and was last seen with another man who was known to be a drug associate of Jacob's. Sadly, Jacob left behind seven children and a sister who spent years looking for him as she needed a bone marrow transplant and he would be her best hope. Jacob has never been found. Another area case that gets talked about a lot with Kyle's is that of Allie Lowitzer. I actually covered Allie's case back in July, and it remains one of the ones I continue to think about often. Her mother is very active with missing persons cases and in the search for answers regarding her daughter. Allie vanished from Spring, Texas in 2010. Spring, Texas is a northern suburb of Houston. And to be honest, I don't really see any connection between these two other than they both lived in a suburb of Houston. Allie disappeared five years before Kyle and was a 16-year-old high school girl. The case of Danielle Sleeper is another interesting one that is also brought up when Kyle's case comes up. Danielle vanished from Magnolia, Texas in March 2015, just a couple of weeks after Kyle. Magnolia, Texas is just 20 to 30 minutes north of Katy. Danielle was a 32-year-old woman last known to be at a cookout with her husband. Other than being another suburb of Houston and the fact that that she vanished just a couple of weeks after Kyle, it's hard for me to connect to their cases in any other way. 
So with the little bit of evidence we do have regarding Kyle's disappearance, what are the theories in his case? Theory number one, Kyle left on his own. He was having some recent troubles, at least if you consider the fact that he had recently had to leave his parents' house because of his behavior. But he still kept in regular contact with his mom and was said to be really close to his siblings and extended family. And even if he did take off for a bit, we are now going on over six years missing. Would he really have stayed away from his family that long? Kyle had begun making plans to go to school and study a trade. He expressed interest in a career and becoming stable in his life. He didn't currently have a job that we know of, so how would he earn money to support himself? Illegal activities? Maybe? And if he did leave on his own, then where is he? With a large family out there looking every day, law enforcement, and even Texas EquiSearch, you'd think something would have been uncovered unless he very quickly left the area. But again, it's important to note that no one in Kyle's family or circle of friends believes that Kyle just took off on his own accord. Theory number two, Kyle ran into foul play at the hands of the men with him that day on March 4th, 2015. What I find really interesting is that these two friends of his were never identified, not publicly anyway, other than the rumor that one of them was named Josh. I did find an archived article that did state that these two young men were young between 17 and 23, and I don't know why those specific ages unless it's just a guess, or maybe law enforcement knows something that we don't. Foul play is suspected in Kyle's case, according to his missing person file. And I have to wonder if law enforcement has an idea of what has happened. And that is why they advise the family to focus on raising reward money instead of out there looking for Kyle. Perhaps they know who did it and what happened, but need the evidence. They need someone to come forward with the information. But if something did happen to Kyle, where is his car? And of course, I can't be 100% sure, but this theory does seem plausible. Theory number three, a car accident. I do always consider this when a car goes missing along with the person. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, The case of Judith Chartier was just solved when her car was pulled from a river 39 years after she vanished. Could Kyle have come home that day, hopped in his car and driven off only to get in a car accident? And if something like this did happen, the search for Kyle becomes all the more complicated as the areas to search becomes endless. This case leaves us with so many questions. Did Kyle even go to Lake Livingston that day to go fishing? Or is there another reason his phone pinged up there? Has the roommate's story been verified? Who were these two friends that were allegedly with Kyle? If they met at that party, certainly other people knew who they were. Did Kyle ever make it back to the apartment after the lake trip? 
Aside from the roommate friend, who else was the last person to see Kyle? And what happened at that party the night before? Did Kyle have trouble with anyone there? I could probably go on and on with questions, but the thing is, we just don't have any answers. Since Kyle disappeared, his family, especially his siblings, have taken it very hard. His parents continue to push for answers, and the reward remains at $20,000 today. Kyle's aunt also runs a Facebook page that she continues to monitor and update regularly, Bring Kyle Home. There you can find a lot more information about Kyle, some photos, and she does post occasional updates on the case. So what do you think happened to 20-year-old Kyle Rugg? Kyle is described as having blue eyes, blonde hair, standing about 5 foot 8 inches tall, and weighing about 130 to 140 pounds at the time of his disappearance. He also had light facial hair at that time. Kyle was wearing a black tank top, a black hooded sweatshirt, and jeans. He has gauged piercings in his ears, and he also has surgical scars on his right knee. He has several tattoos, three clown faces on his arm, the word R.I.P. Stubbs on his chest, an eyeball with a knife or a spear through it on his right shin, the rear view of a female angel on his right arm, and a clown on his left arm. He has the R.I.P. Stubbs, rest in peace Stubbs, on his chest because Stubbs had been his previous nickname. A year or so before he went missing, he had determined he wanted to start fresh and become a different person, and Stubbs was someone who he considered to be someone that he no longer was. But occasionally, you still see old friends come forward referring to him as Stubbs. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Kyle Rugg or what may have happened on March 4th, 2015, Please contact the Harris County Sheriff's Office at 713-274-9360. Remember the reward is still active and available to anyone that leads them to Kyle. And the family has also promised anonymity. If you want to help the family, please check out the Facebook page for him, Bring Kyle Home, and give it a follow. If you're looking to help missing persons cases in the greater Texas area, or anywhere really, I also recommend checking out Texas EquiSearch. They are always taking donations, they do amazing work, they always look for volunteers, and you might even have a local chapter near you. Please share Kyle's name, photo, and story any way you can. Someone has to know something. Someone definitely knows something in this case. Thank you so much for listening to Kyle's story today and this episode of the Where Are They podcast. If you have any feedback or any other cases you would like to suggest to us, please email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. And I also want to give a huge thank you to our sponsor for this episode, Deep Sentinel. Even if you're just curious, go check out their website. 
Their security system is so amazing and cutting edge, it's worth checking them out. Remember to check us out on social media and find us over on YouTube. We will have Kyle's case up there soon, and we can share photos, maps, and other visual information that can be helpful in his case. Make sure to subscribe and hit the bell for notifications so you can be notified when a new video case is uploaded. Thank you again for tuning into our show today and supporting the mission to share these lesser known cases. Let's get some solved. Remember, stay tuned also for the update episode on Judith Chartier. We will be back again next week with another Unsolved Missing Persons episode. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.